All right. Well, thank you guys for the pastor appreciation gift. That means a lot to me. But I want to take a second to recognize our interns as well. So Casey, Katie, Marcus, and John. And also uh, your small group leaders, because really they're doing a lot of work pastoring you. So thank you guys. All right, I'm so glad you're here tonight. If you're new, I pray that you would feel loved and welcomed here. Our prayer every single week, the reason we do this whole thing is that uh, you would come into this place and, and feel like you could encounter God's love for you and that you would grow in your faith. So our prayer is that that would happen tonight. It's just so good to see you all. But how many of you in this room have had a boyfriend or girlfriend before? Okay, so or how many of you have one right now, actually, is what I meant to ask. Okay. Wow, we got a lot of taking people in this room. How many are single right now? All right, so keep them up, keep them up. Look around, look around. Say, hey, what up? <laughs> I'm kidding, you can put them down. But uh, Emily and I started dating our freshman year of college. And to be honest with you, we did a lot of things very badly, which I'll talk about in February during our dating series. I spill all the beans about my life and how I stunk at dating in relationships, but uh, uh, one, thing in partic- or one thing in particular that uh, we struggled with was we spent way too much time together, okay, so we would literally wake up, and we'd meet each other for breakfast in the piazza, I'd have my OJ, my chocolate milk, my three plates of breakfast food, I don't know how that was healthy, but uh, I feel like when you like, go to the dining center, you think it's okay to eat as much as you want, and it's not going to count towards your weight or anything, but anyways, that was me. Uh, but, you know, then we'd walk each other to class, you know, I'd walk her to one side of campus and say, bye, baby, love you. I'd walk over to the other side of campus where my class is, and then I'd pick her up after class sometimes, and then we'd go to lunch together, and then go to class again, and then go to work, and then after work, late at night, we'd be like, oh, let's watch an episode of Netflix. Back then, it was like the last season of The Office, so we were watching that, and uh, then, you know, we part our separate ways and go to bed, and that was the same thing we did every single day. Uh, and I remember just before Christmas break uh, that freshman year, we had a particularly tough time parting ways with one another right before Christmas break. I, uh, the thought of being two hours away from each other for three whole weeks was just devastating, except on weekends. We'd see each other on weekends, of course. But those five days in between, that was devastating to us. And I can remember just bawling in my dorm because I was so sad. During that break, we talked on the phone every single day. And you know when you like, if you've had a boyfriend or girlfriend, you're talking, you're like, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. <laughs> we, we did that every time. Sometimes we fall asleep on the phone. It was really goofy and really sappy. And honestly, I look back on it and I laugh at myself. Time hop is a constant make fun of Daniel device that pops up on my phone every day and how annoying I was. But, uh, but I think there was really, or I think, as funny as it is, I think there's something really beautiful about how people are when they first fall in love. Although it's annoying to everyone else, let's be honest. It's, it's beautiful how, how people, when they first fall in love, they want to be around each other all the time. They cherish each other. Uh, they want to talk all the time, like even if it's about nothing. Like they just want to communicate with each other. And in their heart, just like burst within their chest. You know, it, I think our Heavenly Father wants our relationship with Him to be like that, okay? Where like we want to be around him all the time. We want to spend time with him. We cherish and value our relationship with him. It's not like we're waiting for God to like, I think sometimes with God, it's like a transactional relationship. Like, okay, God, I'll pray, and then you need to bless me. But I think what God is looking for is a people that just want to be in his presence, people 
who just love him for who he is and not what he can do for you. I think he wants a people who, who feel lucky that, that God would even, or blessed, that God would even choose them to be in relationship with them. I believe God's looking for a people who want to talk to him all the time, a people who their heart just like bursts within their chest when they think about Jesus. That, like there's friends I have that, that love Jesus so much, if you start talking about him for like more than 60 seconds, they start crying because they just love him so much. Or if you talk about people that don't know Jesus, they'll start crying because they so desperately uh, want their friends and, and they want people who don't know Jesus to know him. They know how sweet that relationship is. And I think that God wants that for all of us. And obviously, we all show our emotions in different ways. So I'm not saying you have to cry to be a real Christian. But what I'm saying is I think that God wants us to have this burning desire in our heart to be in his presence and to be around him. And at night, as we're going to sleep, talking to our Father in heaven, saying, all right, God, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. <laughs> God's like, no, you hang up first. And then we always lose because God's always awake and we fall asleep. But uh, <laughs> And I, believe, I don't believe that God just wants this for us. I believe we want this. I believe deep in our hearts, I believe that uh, the reason why it seems like people in the 21st century in the West are so, you know, uh, like obviously there's chemical things, but, you know, the reason why I think we're so depressed, we're so lonely, we just are constantly frustrated and, and we seem hopeless, I think part of it's spiritual. And I, I think it's because we were made for an intimate relationship with our Father in heaven, and it's either one, disconnected, it's not even there at all, or if it's there, we're doing it wrong. We're not actually having relationship with him, we're just doing religious things. And I believe that in each of our hearts, we want to know that there's a God out there who, one, loves us deeply, a God who cares about us, but then, two, that there's a God out there who is powerful enough to change our situations. I, I believe we want to be connected to a God who's full of love and power, but, but sometimes we just don't really know how to connect with him. Even if we prayed the prayer and accepted Jesus into our lives, we, we really struggle to, to actually walk an intimate relationship with him. And when we try talking to him, we don't know if he's really the type of person who cares at all or if he's even listening. I'm sure you've had that frustration. I've had it. Like, God, are you really there? Am I just talking to the air right now? Because it feels like it's just me in the air, and that's awkward. Or maybe, you know, you feel like, okay, I got to say the right amount of words, the right kind of religious words. Like, you know, Pastor Daniel says anointing a lot. I should probably throw anointing into my prayer. No, I think sometimes we think we need to say certain words or, or jump through religious hoops in order to have a relationship with our Father, but I believe that, that tonight God's going to change that. I just believe that God's going to show us that relationship with him is not about being religious. It's not about saying the right kind of words. It's not about jumping through religious hoops, and I believe that God also wants to show us that he's a God who loves us a lot and a God who desires that relationship with us. So with that said, we're continuing, we're continuing our hidden series, which is a series all about prayer. It's all about intimacy with God. And, and we decided to call this series Hidden because I believe that all prayer is a way that we try to like hide ourselves and the world around us in God. So when we're like adoring God and, and praising him, I believe that's a way that we're trying to hide ourselves under his shelter and say, okay, God, I don't have everything figured out, but you're good and powerful, and I want to kind of hide myself under your love and your care. And I believe when we pray for the world around us, when we pray for our friends or we pray for people to get healed or whatever, we're praying that, that God would hide the world in him. So that's this idea of being hidden that I believe God wants us to have such an intimate relationship with him in prayer where it's like we're just hiding under his wing 
all day long. We're just kind of hanging out there. Um, I believe that's what God wants for us. So tonight we're going to, to go to part two. Last week we talked about how if we want to be able to pray, we have to learn to, uh, to not get distracted by the things of the world, but instead we need to seek the things that are above. We need to not be consumed with all this other stuff going on, but instead kind of clear our minds and focus on God. So that was last week. If you missed it, check it out online. We have all of our sermons up there. But this week we're going to talk about who God is and the fact that he's a God who cares about us and wants to hear us. And we're also going to talk about how to talk to him. So the sermon is called Our Father, okay? It's all going to be about this idea that God is our Father in heaven who desperately wants to hear our prayers and wants to communicate with us. So if you have your Bibles, turn turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be in verse 5. So turn there. And Matthew 6 is a part of Jesus' popular sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, okay? And the Sermon on the Mount is this highly, like, if you want to know how to live life as a Christian, just read Matthew 5 through 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount, and it's this highly practical sermon where Jesus teaches us how we can follow him on the earth, how we can apply the kingdom of God to our everyday life. It's really this instruction guide on how to walk in the presence of God. And then right in the middle of this sermon, Jesus takes a moment to teach the crowd that he's talking to how to pray. And Jesus actually gives a very similar teaching in the Gospel of Luke. So in the New Testament, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and they all tell the story of Jesus' life. And sometimes they have a little bit different stories, but together we see a full picture of the biography of Jesus' life. But in the Gospel of Luke, we see that there's another time that Jesus teaches people how to pray, but in that moment, he's teaching his disciples how to pray. He, he says something very similar as to this text, but it's more specific for his little group of disciples, because Jesus spent most of his time with like 12 people, okay? So in the Gospel of Luke, he teaches a similar thing as this, and the reason he does it is his disciples say to him, they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And actually, that's the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them. That's the only thing. They didn't ask him, hey, teach us how to preach, or teach us how to cast out demons. They said, teach us how to pray. And I think the reason that they asked him that question is it says all over the Gospels that Jesus would get up really early in the morning, and he would find desolate places to pray. And I guarantee you, when the disciples tried to pray, they're thinking about their to-do list that day. Like, I got to take the dog for a walk. I got to go to the laundromat and wash my clothes. They weren't really thinking these things. I'm trying to be funny. It's okay to laugh. But anyways, the disciples would think about all the stuff that they have going, just like you. I guarantee you, I mean, if you're like me, there's many times you sit down to pray and you just don't know how to do it. So the disciples are like, if you're going to teach us anything, teach us how to pray because we don't know what the stink we're doing and you seem to be really good at it because you can pray from like 2 in the morning to like 7 in the morning and that's crazy. Okay, so then Jesus goes into this teaching and, and we're going to read the Matthew account because there's a little bit more details and it's more for a crowd. So let's read it, but it's very similar to the one in Luke. So anyways, in verse 5, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But instead, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think, for they, think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
and your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your or neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All right, let's pray over this. So Jesus, I thank you for this text tonight. I thank you that you taught us how to pray. It's not too complicated. God, I pray that if there's confusion in this room about prayer, God, if we're overthinking it, I pray that you'd help us just to see how simple it really is. And Father, I pray that, yeah, that tonight you just teach us how to pray. We're asking the same question that the disciples asked in the Gospel of Luke. We're just saying, teach us how to pray. So Jesus, speak to us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to start with verse 5 and 6. I'm just going to work through the passage tonight. And, and in verse 5 and 6, he talks about not praying uh, like the hypocrites who stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. He says, truly I say to you that, that they receive their reward. But instead, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, so I think what Jesus wants us to get from this part of the text is every time we pray, we should pray for an audience of one. Okay, we're not praying for the people around us. Instead, we're, yeah, we're praying for them, but we're not praying to be seen by them. We're praying to be seen by God. That's the only person we're talking to when we pray. So if you're one of those people who pray, like you're in a group setting, and you're like, uh, there's a friend who you know that like, like struggles with lying, and you're like, Jesus, I just think some of us tonight need some help with lying. Just please help us, Lord. Just bless my friend over. No, we don't pray <laughs> so other people can hear us, right? We, we pray with an audience of one in mind, okay? So to start his teaching on prayer, Jesus makes it clear that, that prayer is not about appearing spiritual. It's not about appearing religious. It's, it's not about being seen by others. Instead, every time you decide to pray, it's an intimate encounter with you and your Father in heaven. And there's certainly a place for public prayer. You know, Jesus isn't saying don't pray in public. We do it every week here at Chi Alpha. We see it in the Bible that they pray in public often. But, but the kind of prayer that Jesus is referring to is those who would pray in public typically by themselves in order to be seen by those around them, okay? And you may be wondering, who does that? Like, who goes out on to the mocker unions uh, or up on the roof and prays loudly for everyone to see them? That wouldn't that'd get you brownie points here at the University of Northern Iowa, would it? Instead, you would be very weird. But, but the thing is, here, Jesus is speaking to a hyper-religious context, okay? And in his context, this Jewish context, if you were praying loud and spiritual, people thought you were amazing, okay? And in their culture, there were set times of prayer each day, and some people would stop and pray uh, discreetly, but then others would, would pray in this verbose way and, and, and pray dramatically so people would be able to see them and think, wow, that person is really, really spiritual. So I think tonight what we need to ask ourselves is when we pray, is our motivation to be seen by others or to appear religious or instead is it just to have a conversation with our Father in heaven? And within Christian cultures like here at Chi Alpha, because we're Christians, if you didn't know that, well, most of us are, I believe we need to be especially aware of this. So when you pray in front of your Chi Alpha friends, I think you have to ask yourself, am I, am I more worried about talking to God or sounding good to the people around me who are listening? 
I don't want you to try to impress me or anybody in the room when you pray in a Chi Alpha setting. Instead, all we want you to do is pour out your heart to your Father in heaven. And if that's not super co- or coherent or super religious, we don't really care. Just talk to your Father in heaven. I think another place where we struggle with trying to pray to be seen by others is on social media. If you have a particularly Christian social media account or you're connected to a lot of Christians or church people who think that being religious is a cool thing, it's, it's tempting to try to get attention from others for your religiosity and your spirituality. How many of you have seen someone, or maybe it's been you, and if that's you, we're not calling you out here. There's no judgment, okay? But how many of you have seen someone post on Instagram a pic of their Bible, and it's all written in, and they're like, and there's probably a coffee cup there somewhere, and they're like, wow, that time with Jesus today was so good. It's the first time I've done it in like three months. Don't tell anybody that. I'm kidding. But people who post on Instagram to, to be seen by others, and I'm not saying everyone who does that it's a bad thing. There's once in a while I'm tempted to like post a verse. I'm, I'm super inspired, but but I think we really need to check our hearts if we're going to do that. If you're going to post on your story or post on Instagram or Facebook or whatever about your time with Jesus, I think you really need to ask God, what is my intention? There's been so many times I've been tempted to post. I'm going to be honest with you. I've been tempted to post something uh, religious, and I don't do it because I'm like, my intentions are not good right now. I just want to be seen. It probably happens about 10 times a year. I'm going to be honest with you, about once a month. I'm like, I'm ready to post, and I don't post. So I think it's an important thing to think about. I think you should consider that if you have a particularly Christian social media uh, connection or whatever. So I want to be the type of person, and I want you to be the type of person who doesn't brag about your spirituality or brag about my spirituality in public, but instead is ferociously spiritual behind closed doors. I want you to be spiritual. I want you to go after Jesus, and I want to go after Jesus, but I don't want to do it in a way where I'm trying to garner attention from others. I pray that we would be a people who our most incredible times of prayer and incredible times with our Father is in secret, and nobody will ever know about it because we don't feel the need to tell anybody. We're not like, and sometimes it's good to share testimonies and stuff, but I'm saying like our intentions. We're not like, hey, I just had a great time with Jesus. I'm amazing. Check out what I did. Instead, just to have this intimate, private relationship where we pray to our Father in secret, and it's not about other people seeing us. I pray that that this group would just be flooded with people who are passionate about getting in secret with our Father. I pray that that would be who we are. But the thing is, if we're going to pray well, I think we need to know who we're praying to. I think we need to know what this God that we're praying to is like. We need to know who he is at his core. And in this text, Jesus refers to the one we pray to as our Father, our Father. I believe he refers to God in this way, in this particular instance, because he wants us to know what God is like when we pray to him. He is a good father. So I think something else that Jesus wants us to get tonight is we should pray uh, with an understanding that each time we pray, we're praying to our good father. That's who we're praying to. We're praying to a good father, not a distant or aloof God or a God who doesn't care about us, but instead a good father. According to Jesus, time and time again in the Gospels, God is a father at his core. At his very nature, he is a daddy who just loves his kids. In Romans 8, verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
If you are in Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus, the way you now relate with God is he is your father. You can say, Daddy, when you talk to him, because that's who he is. And if you had a poor father on earth, I want to speak to you for a second. I think it's difficult for those who have a poor father on earth to understand what God is like because we haven't seen a good father modeled to us. And I think because of that, I think I need to over-explain what it means to be a good father. So bear with me as I give you a few scripture verses to show what God is like, what kind of father he is, because he is the best father that there's ever been or there ever will be, okay? So first, when Jesus calls God our father, he's saying that, that he is good, okay? That's what it means to be a father in the best sense. You are good, and in fact, in the book of James, it says that every good thing comes from God. It says this in verse 17 of chapter one. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change, Okay, so the first thing you need to know is that as a father, God is good. But I think something else is in 1 John, the apostle John says that God is love. Okay, so he's not just good, he's also love. It says in verse 8 of chapter 4, it says anyone who does not, does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay, so so far we know that God is good and he is love. The third thing is we need to know that God can be trusted. Okay, some of you have dads who you can't trust. He, he's not a trustworthy person. He's not stable. He's not steady. He's not someone you can rely upon. But the God of the heavens is trustworthy. He's a steady rock. He's someone who can be relied upon. He's not going anywhere. He's not leaving you. In Isaiah chapter 26, it says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He's a rock who's always been and always will be. He ain't moving. He ain't changing. In James 1, it said that, that God does not shift, that he's not, that there's no variation or shadow due to change. He is steady. He is firm. He is steadfast. You can rely upon him. You can lean on him, and he's going to hold you up. So, so far, we see that God is good, that God is love, that he is trustworthy. But I also think we need to know that God is powerful. He doesn't just have good intentions, but he has the capability to change our situations. In Jeremiah chapter 32, or 32 verse 17, it says, Ah, Lord God... It is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm, and nothing is too hard for you. Okay, so the God you're praying to, nothing's too hard for him. He can do the impossible. It says in the Gospels, it says that uh, with man this is impossible, but with God nothing is impossible. The, the God you're praying to is a God who can do anything. A God who's all, or God who's all powerful, a God who can change situations. Nothing is too hard for him. Okay, so God is good. Let's see if I can remember these. God is love. God is trustworthy. God is powerful. Okay, something else we need to know is that God has our good in mind. He has good plans for your life, and he's committed to working everything out for your good. In Romans chapter 8, it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So when you read that passage, what you can know is not that everything's going to go perfectly in your life, but instead that God is a master designer. He can leverage even your bad situations and turn them around for good. He's committed to grabbing all the broken pieces of your life and putting them together for good. He has good plans for you, and he's working all things out for your good if you'll hang with him. 
But it's important to know that God will not give you everything you want all the time, and he will say no to you, and sometimes he'll discipline you. And this isn't the fun one. This is the last one. We'll end it with a, a more, well, for us, it seems negative, but it's great. God is a God who will discipline us, and we know that good dads discipline their kids. Okay, when Jane smacks me, I have to say no, okay? I don't just let her smack me. That's not what a good dad would do because then she'll smack other people. And that ain't good if you try to hang out with Jane. She's like, psh, 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 right? Instead, I need to tell her no. She's not quite at the point where you can really discipline her yet, but at some point, I'll start disciplining her. But God, every time he disciplines, so sometimes, or some of you have, have had dads who perhaps have, have abused you or they react in anger. They're mad when they discipline you. But God never responds in anger. He's not that unhinged father who just lashes out. Instead, he is steady, he loves you, and he only disciplines you because he hates the things that destroy you, and he's committed to helping you get out of those things. Okay, so Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Okay, so I have a list of all these things. Who is our father? He's good. He is love, he is trustworthy, he is powerful, he's working for our good, and he's willing to say no to us, which might be one of the best things about him, because we're a little stupid sometimes, we don't know what we need. Sometimes God will say no, there's so many times like, God, I need this, give it to me, please, right now. And he says no, and like two years later, I'm like, oh, thank God, you did not give that to me, right? So he's willing to say no to us. So I think when we pray, we have to know who we're talking to. We're talking to a good father. And when we know that we're praying to this kind of God, a good father, we're not worried about the people around us, right? So back to those verses. We're not worried about other people because we're just like, wow, I'm getting to talk to the best daddy in the world, and he can do anything. He can change my situation. He loves me right where I'm at. Okay, I'm about to pray. I'm about to talk to him because I know he's got good things for me. And we're not worried about other people. Who cares if you appear religious? Who cares what anyone in this room thinks about your prayers? I believe God wants us to understand just who we're talking to. So when we pray, we're not focused on these exterior things, but instead we're only focused on him and our priority is to get in secret with him and talk to him. So who in here has done something very stupid and you've been afraid about what an authority figure might do to you or, or say to you because of what you did? I do this about, I feel like, once a month. And this last August, uh, there was a leadership retreat for Chi Alpha, and, and we didn't have any coffee in the main sanctuary. So I was like, hey, can we borrow the Keurig, okay? So I go and get the Keurig from across the campground. I bring it there. I, I'm protecting it all weekend. And at the end of the weekend, it, it's my job to take the Keurig back. It's a big job. And... I'm carrying it out, excited, because I had a good, well, not really good, but I had some cups of coffee. It helped. Um, and I dropped a little piece. I didn't realize it, and, it, and it went under my tire. I didn't realize it, and I got in the car, and I was driving away, and I hear <laughs> as I'm driving away, and it's just scraping across the ground. And uh, I pick it up, and I'm like, well, it still works. Uh, it doesn't look very good, but it works. I was so tempted. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was like, I'm just going to put this back in here. I'm going to go put the Keurig back. I ain't going to say nothing. They ain't going to know. But then I thought about who the people are who we were working with at this retreat center. I'm like, hey, they're really good people. Uh, they're super loving. It'll be fine. So then I went to them and I said, hey, I kind of screwed up your, your Keurig tray thingy. It looks weird, uh, but it works. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, that's totally fine. But I share that. It's a funny story, but I share that because 
I believe if we know who we're talking to when we do something wrong or, or we're, uh, you know, trying to come to somebody, if we know that they're good at their core, if we know that they love us, that they have good intentions for us, then we're going to be more prone to go to them. Now, if that staff was scary and mean, maybe I wouldn't have went to them. I still would have because that's called integrity, right? I'm just saying we've got to have integrity. But I'm saying I think we need to know who we're talking to. And God's not waiting to smite you. He's not waiting to tell you all the things you did wrong yesterday. Yeah, he'll certainly convict you and, and try to bring you out of things, but he just wants relationship with you. He's a good father who's waiting for you to step into relationship with him. And I just pray tonight that if you get anything, all I care about really, if you get anything out of this message is that you know that God is good and he loves you. He's the best father that you could ever ask for. All right, but, but Jesus continues our passage by giving more instructions on how to pray. He says in verse 7, he says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus says we don't need to come up with a religious formula to recite or be worried about saying a certain amount of words or the right words. Instead, we should pray with confidence because our good Father knows what we need. Okay, so the, uh, the next thing I think Jesus wants us to get tonight is we can pray with confidence because our Father knows what we need. I think sometimes when we pray, we're worried if we're going to say the right things or, or hit the right buttons to get God to, or to give us what we need. We're afraid, hey, if I blow this prayer, he might not answer our prayer. But Jesus speaks directly to that and challenges us to pray with confidence and faith and even a level of carefreeness as we talk to God because God already knows what we need before we come to him. God does want us to tell him what we need because, for one, it helps us to know when he answers our prayers, right? If we don't pray specifically, we won't know if he answered the prayers, okay? So very practically, he wants us to tell him so then when he answers it, we can see, okay, God did that. But two, he wants us to tell him what we need because it helps us grow in intimacy with him and to take all the stuff we're worried about and anxious about and throw it at him and say, carry this burden for me, Jesus, and helps us to rely upon him, okay? So you should tell him what you need, but the point is you don't need to overthink if you're uh, remembering every single thing and if you're saying the right words. Instead, just pour out your heart before your Father who loves you. Okay, so when I was 15 years old, I was at Buffalo Wild Wings with my parents after church, and it was a Sunday night, and they were talking about some, some financial struggles they were having, which my parents were super open with me. I was 15. Anyways, they're talking about that with me, uh, but uh, my dad owned a concrete business, and, you know, sometimes things were tough because of the seasonal nature of that work, and, uh, and that night, we had just gotten done with church, so I was, like, full of faith. I was a fiery little, you know, 15-year-old, and I'm sitting there. I'm just, like, believing that God is good, that he answers prayers, and they're talking about their struggles, and I, as a 15-year-old, just say, hey, I think that God wants to give you an unexpected check in the mail tomorrow. My parents are like, okay. And so anyways, we leave it there. There was no dear Lord Jesus or our Father in heaven. None of that. I just said it. I said, I believe that God wants to give you an unexpected check in the mail tomorrow. Or, or tomorrow. And I don't want you to pray like this all the time. Like, we don't want to just tell God what to do all the time, right? But sometimes there's those times when God gives us an actual level of faith and he gives us something to say and to speak out. But anyways, the next day, my parents come to me and they're like, you'll never believe this. We just got a gigantic check in the mail and it covered all of our financial needs. Okay, I don't know what the heck happened there, but I know that God knew what they needed, and I know that he wanted me to say it anyway, so then we could see him answer those prayers, and I know that he did not care that I didn't go, dear Lord Jesus, please do this. No, he just wanted me to pray in faith, okay? So I believe that God wants you to do that throughout your day, to just tell him what you need as you need it. Like you're, 
are getting a paper, like uh, your professor saying, hey, that paper's due next week, and you're like, oh gosh, I haven't started it. It's the huge research project for the whole semester. And you just pray right there and say, God, I need your help on this paper. Or you say, God, help me here. God, come through in this situation. I just believe that God wants us to talk to him all day long and tell him what we need as we need it. And also just to tell him that he's good once in a while. You don't always have to ask him to do something for you, although he wants you to do that. But also just say, God, you're good. We walk into Schindler and say, God, you're good. Yell it out. Just do that. See what happens. No, don't do that. Uh, you can do that if you want. But anyways, the point is, it's not about praying the right words. It's not about being religious. It's about just giving your heart to God and having a relationship with him. Okay, so after explaining that prayer is about, or prayer is something to be done in secret to our good father who already knows what we need, Jesus then gives us a blueprint of how to pray. Okay, so let's read the rest of this. It says, Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into, temp into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their, tr their trespasses, then neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, so last thing tonight is I believe that Jesus wants to pray as he taught us to pray. Okay, so I think sometimes we're like, I don't know how to pray, and Jesus is like, I told you how to pray. It's Matthew chapter 6, and I don't think he wants us, you know, just to recite this. Like, some of you know this prayer by heart, not because you've ever prayed it uh, with your heart, but instead because your parents made you pray it. You have no idea what it meant. But I think what God wants us to do tonight is to see what he is saying through this prayer, what kind of things we should say to him through this prayer. It's not about saying, you're saying the right words. It's not about just praying this prayer before bed, but it's about really owning this prayer and putting it in uh, your own words, okay? So I want to go through it. So the first thing he says, our Father. Okay, so when you go into prayer, the first thing I think we should do is address who we're talking to with affection. Say, Daddy, Jesus, Holy Spirit, our Father, whatever you want to say, it starts with addressing God and who he is and, and saying, you're not some distant God who doesn't care about me, but instead you're my Father who loves me, and I just thank you for that. Okay, so it starts with our Father, and then he says, in heaven. So I think something else we need to do uh, when we pray is to remember where he is. Like, God is not powerless to save you. He's not powerless to answer your person. Instead, he is in heaven, and Jesus is at his right hand, and Jesus is interceding on your behalf, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you if you're a Christian. Okay, so the Holy Spirit's in you. Jesus is sitting at God's right hand, and he's interceding on your behalf, and God is on his throne in heaven, and he is able to do anything. He's able to do far more abundantly than anything you could ever ask for. That's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. God is able to do it, and I think we need to acknowledge where he is. We need to say, okay, Daddy, I know you're powerful, and you're in heaven, and you have the capability to change my situation. Okay, so then we go, hallowed be your name. Okay, so I think the next thing we need to, or the next thing we need to do is to admire him, and his holiness, when we say hallowed, we're saying holy is your name. You are holy. You are other than. You are so good and perfect. So I think we need to have a second in prayer where we say, wow, God, you are good. You are amazing and you're holy. Okay, so then it says, it says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so then what we need to do is transition and say, God, make Cedar Falls more like heaven. God, make you and I more like heaven. Make my heart more like heaven. Make this a home for your Holy Spirit. Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is 
as it is in heaven, change our world. I think that's the time in our prayer where we kind of look around and say, okay, what things around us are not lining up with God's will? Okay, that person's sick. That doesn't line up with God's will. I'm praying for that person to be healed. Okay, that person, my friend, does not believe in Jesus. That's not God's will. God, I pray that they would come to you in the name of Jesus. And then we go through and we pray that, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thought I was about to kick my water bottle over. All right. <laughs> and then we transition. We say, give us this day our daily bread. Okay, some of you are like, I got a dining pass. I don't need no daily bread. I got like six loaves of bread I'm about to eat. But instead, <laughs> that may be true, but I think we still need to acknowledge our need for him and say, God, I know I have food sitting there in the piazza. It's going to be delicious. But Jesus, I thank you for that food. I thank you for providing that for me. I thank you for helping me pay my U bill. You know, whatever is going on, you need to trust him for, your, or for provision. Okay, and then it says, and forgive us our debts. And this is where you would confess your sins. Okay, so I like to think about the day before. It's not about beating up on yourself. But I think about the day before. It's like, wow, I kind of sniffed at Derek there. Okay, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> forgive me for that. I yelled at John after the basketball game when he was guarding me too tough at the end. That happened yesterday. I didn't yell at him, but he was guarding me real tough. You know, I'm just trying to get a pass, and John's like, all over me. I was mad at him a little bit, but I didn't yell at him. But anyways, I might confess that, right? Those are typical things I need to confess. I'm too competitive. Um, You know, maybe you had a lustful thought. Maybe you took it too far with your boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever. That's the time where you confess your sins. And this is the really, really hard part. This is the part I think a lot of us struggle with. We don't just ask for forgiveness for ourselves, but then we take a chance to forgive those who have hurt us. And if you're a human being, there are many people for you to forgive because we hurt each other. And I believe that tonight that some of you came in here and you're struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness. And I want to encourage you, it's not an overnight thing, but every day to pray, I forgive such and such. So maybe when I talk about a dad, you perhaps have bitterness towards your dad, and maybe every day you need to say, God, I forgive my dad. You know, he, he may have been a butthole or is a butthole, but I forgive him, and I want to see him like you see him. Forgive my language with a butthole comment, but <laughs> point is, if you want to be able to get free of bitterness, you've got to say it out loud. There are people, even from like my childhood, sometimes I have to go through and say, you know, I thought about that today, and it caused a little bitterness. I need to pray to forgive that person. So I want to encourage you. If you want God to forgive you, you have to forgive other people. It actually says that at the end there. I'm not going to teach on it much, but it says if you forgive others, then God will forgive you. But if you don't, he's not going to forgive you. I don't think we can really walk in right relationship with God if we have bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts. So maybe you feel like, wow, God's so distant from me. He doesn't talk to me. It might be because you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. Because God is not going to God's not going to forgive someone who won't forgive others. So tonight, I pray if anything, one, I talked about this earlier, know that God's good, but then I also want you to know that that God wants you to forgive those who have hurt you, and that should be a common daily part of your prayers. Okay, so how many of you know how to to fix stuff? You can fix things. Okay, like none of us. Avery, he knows. Someone back there, I think it's, is that Theodore? What a studly guy. If you don't know Theodore, you should give him a hug. But, uh, so a few weeks ago, my sump pump broke in my basement, and there was water all over my basement. And uh, it was interesting because Derek kept getting water in his basement. He gets it figured out after like a year of this happening, and literally the next day I get water in my basement when I'm always like 
yeah, I'm glad it's him. I'm glad it ain't me. And then the next day, literally, I got water in my basement. I'm like, what is going on? The devil is after me. He was after Derek, but now he's after me. But anyways, so my sump pump broke, and I don't know how to fix nothing. I'm, you know, I can, you know, fix some scrambled eggs. That's about it. I don't know how to fix nothing broken. Uh, I try to fix broken hearts with Jesus, but that's it. Aw. But anyways, that was cheesy. So, uh, uh, but, uh, so I didn't know how to fix it. So I call the plumber, and they're like, it's going to be 500 bucks. I'm like, I ain't paying that. I got a friend named Avery Schottler who will fix stuff uh, for cheaper than that. So anyways, Avery comes over, and he fixes it, and he shows me everything to do. And I probably don't remember it, couldn't do it today. But the idea is that I would have learned, right? He showed me how to do it. I should be able to do it now. I'm not confident in that, but I should be able to. I think sometimes in prayer, we just don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. We just need someone to show us how to pray. And tonight, I pray that you would see that Jesus is teaching you how to pray. He is showing you how to pray. I think sometimes when we go to prayer, we're like, okay, okay, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to say, hey, big man upstairs, what's up? And he says, not too much. How about you? And you're like, yeah, not too much. No, we don't know what to do when we pray. But Jesus, right here, he gives us such a clear picture of how to pray. Of how to pray. But it's not just that we don't know how to pray. I think also the devil tries to get us not to pray. The devil wants to do everything in his power to stop you from knowing how to pray. And he wants to make it way more complicated than it is just so you won't pray. He wants you to think uh, one of two things. Either one, that God doesn't care, so then you won't ask him for stuff. And two, that it's too complicated. You don't know how to do it. The devil is after you, and he does not want you to communicate with your father. In a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, uh, the author says this. He says, Satan's main strategy with God's people has always been to whisper, don't call, don't ask, don't depend on God to do great things, and you'll get along fine if you just rely on your own cleverness and energy. Satan's main strategy against the church is to get us not to pray. Because we can't do what God's called us to do on our own. We need to pray if we're going to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray. And if, and if the Lord's prayer is a little too complicated for you, like, I can't remember all those words, I want to give you a simple acronym, or a simple acronym, ACTS. So adoration, okay, so start with adoration, just adore God to start out. And then move into C, which is confession, so then confess your sins. Then move into T, which is thanksgiving, so thank God for the things he's done for you. And then move into S, which is supplication, which is just your request. Okay, so you adore God, you confess your sins, you thank him for what he's done, and then you pray for the things you need. So with that said, I want to take our challenge from last week a step further. So last week I challenged you to spend 15 minutes in quiet and solitude each day praying to God and hearing his voice. Just sitting there with nothing else going on, no phone, no music, nothing just hearing God's voice and praying to him, so 15 minutes a day. And then I also challenge you to set a reminder on your phone for each and every hour. And when you see the reminder, just to acknowledge God's presence, like a two-second prayer, like, God, I thank you that you're with me. God, I love you. God, you're worthy. Whatever, you just acknowledge him. Okay, so, you're, so you were supposed to do that last week. And if you did it, you know, you need to write your paper and turn it in over here. No, I'm kidding. But hopefully you did that. And if you haven't, you can start now. But I want to add a third thing. Every morning... It can be in the shower, it can be on your way to class, whatever. I want you to either pray the Lord's Prayer in your own words, okay? You can pray the line and then say it in your own words, or do acts, okay? So two choices. It's like Olive Cart right now. You can choose what you want, okay? So choose what kind of prayer you want to do, and every day do this. I promise you, if you do it every day, you're going to feel like you're getting unleashed in prayer. You're going to be like, wow, this is way easier than I expected. 
Okay, so I encourage you to do that. All right, so the main idea tonight is prayer is an intimate conversation between us and our good Father. I believe we've all come in here tonight, and some of us in here are like amazing prayer warriors. Some of us struggle with prayer. I personally struggle with prayer. And I just believe we're all at different places. But I think God is trying to get us all on the same page. If you came in here tonight and prayer has been something that you viewed as a religious activity or something that's primarily to be done in front of others in a church setting, I want to encourage you that that that's not God's heart for prayer. He doesn't want it to be a religious thing you do to show others how religious you are, spiritual you are. Instead, he wants it to be an intimate conversation between you and him. I pray that we would be committed to being spiritually ferocious for an audience of one for Jesus and just wanting to to pray to him and talk to him in secret not for any man or woman if you've come in here tonight and I think this is a lot of us and you struggle to pray because you misunderstand who God is I pray that you would see who he is tonight and the best way to see who God is is to look at Jesus Jesus is a picture of God if you read the gospels You'll see what God is like by seeing how Jesus interacted. And here's the reality about Jesus. Jesus was strong enough to challenge men and the religious leaders of his day and to call them out on their hypocrisy, just as you can see here a little bit. He's talking about hypocrisy. But he was also so gentle and tender and loving that in a patriarchal society, women flocked to him and children wanted to sit on his lap. That's who you're talking to. A God who's powerful and strong and ferocious, but at the same time is tender and loving and gentle. So gentle that as a grown man, children would want to sit on his lap. He's not like our earthly dads, even our best dads. He's on a whole nother level. He, he, he embodies perfectly what it means to be a good father. Someone who is good and loving and trustworthy and strong and has good plans for us and is willing to tell us no. This is what God is like, and I pray when you pray that, that you would know that that's who it is. He's not a taskmaster. He's not mad at you. He's not waiting to smite you. Instead, he just wants a relationship with you. If you come in here tonight and you're not praying because you don't have relationship with your father, if it's not even that you have misunderstandings, but it's like literally you don't even have a relationship with him. Like you know that if you died today, you would not be with him because of the way you're living your life and, and the fact that you haven't accepted Jesus. I pray tonight that you would accept Jesus into your heart. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and that nobody gets to the Father except through him. There's one pathway, there's one bridge to God and his name is Jesus. I pray tonight that you would think or realize the fact that that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life on your behalf. He never sinned once. He's not like you and I. He doesn't mess up. He never sinned once. And then he went on a cross, even after being perfect and not deserving to die, he went on a cross for us and he paid our debt because every time we sin, it has a wage and the, and the wage of sin is death. And on the cross, Jesus paid our debt. So the Bible says that if we trust in that sacrifice, then his blood will cleanse us of our sins. He will pay the price for our sins. And it's not only that. He didn't just die on your behalf, but then he went into a grave and then came up out of it. And that shows us that eternal life is possible. That eternal life with God is possible. That death has no hold on us. So tonight, if you don't have a relationship with your father, 
in heaven. I pray that you would see what Jesus has done for you and say, I'm putting all my chips in that basket. I'm putting all my faith in him. Jesus is trustworthy. He's good. He paid it all for me. And then he came up out of the grave. I'm trusting in that man, in that God. And if you do that, the Bible says you'll be saved. I believe that salvation needs to happen tonight. We can't even talk about prayer if we ain't saved. So I pray that, that God would save some of us in this room, that God would bring us from death to life tonight, from bondage to freedom tonight. I'm praying that that would happen. So if that's you, if right now you feel in your heart like I am separated from God, I don't trust Jesus with my life, tonight is your night, tonight is your chance to throw all your weight in that and say I trust Jesus and to have a relationship with the best dad that you could ever ask for forever and ever and ever and ever all right so if you would stand with me i want to pray for you if you bow your heads and close your eyes i believe that this is a moment every week we do this i believe that this is a moment for us to get alone with god in a crowded room just to kind of forget about everything else going on around us right now and to fix our eyes on God and, and to talk to him. And I think there's two primary ways that God wants us to respond tonight. And the first is if, is if you came in here and you don't have a relationship with God, I believe he wants to make that relationship right tonight. I believe he wants to restore you. I believe that he wants us to throw all of our trust into Jesus and to experience what it means to be saved. And, and to be set free from our sin and to have a relationship with our Father in heaven. So if that's you, I'm gonna count to three. And when I do, I just want you to slip up your hand to heaven and say, Jesus, I need you to save me. You don't have to say that out loud, but in your heart, just to, to say, Jesus, I, I wanna be restored to my Father in heaven. Uh, my relationship is broken with him and I wanna be restored. So I'm gonna count to three. And when I do, slip up your hands all across this room. One, two, three, slip them up all across this room. I see tons of hands going up right now. All right, so I'm going to pray, and I believe that something supernatural is about to happen as we pray. I believe that, like, literally, you're going to go from death to life. You're going to go from bondage to freedom. You're going to go from not knowing your dad to knowing your dad. So I'm going to pray, and you pray in your heart. It can be a simple prayer of saying, I trust you, Jesus. Okay, so tonight, Jesus, we come to you, and, and God, for the three or four of us who raised our hand tonight, God, we just put our weight into you, and we just say, God, we want relationship with you, and we know that Jesus is the only way to have that relationship. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come into our hearts and to make us a new creation, to, to have the old be dead and gone, and, and to invite us into a new, vibrant relationship with you. God, I pray that our lives would never be the same when we walk out of this room tonight, in Jesus' name. And there's a second way to respond. If you're here tonight, and I talked about some different barriers to prayer, whether you don't understand what God is like, whether you think it's too complicated, whether uh, it's been more about pleasing people than it has been going after him, with whatever. If, if God has spoke to you tonight and you wanna just say, God, I wanna go to a new plane of prayer. I wanna go to a new level. I wanna get more intimate with you. I just want you to lift up both hands to heaven right now as a cry of your heart and say, Father, we want intimacy with you. So Jesus, tonight I pray that you would see our heart's desire. God, sometimes we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we don't even know who we're really praying to. But God, I pray that you would help us tonight to be a people of prayer, to be a people who are intimate with you. God, I pray that if people say anything about this group of students, that they'd say, they know Jesus and they love him. God, I pray that they would say, they know him. They don't, 
These people are not religious, but they know their Father in heaven. God, I pray that you would do that tonight. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just light us up. Just light us up with your love. God, I pray that we would lean on you with everything we got. Father, we love you. We thank you that you're good. We pray all this in your name. Amen.